Somebody once told me the world's gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the chair. She was looking kind of down with her finger and her thumb and the shit. Hello, Sekos. Welcome to Seko Mode. We're here with us. I thought we could call our fan Comrade base sickos. the sickos from now on. Okay. I enough. forgot to tell you about that idea. Anyway, we're here with our dear friend, Stella Della Rosa, as That's she's me. going to be called. Yeah. That reminds me of that song called Charmaine. Charmaine Della Rosa, or what she's called. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'll tell you about it later. It's okay. extremely funny. The, the fans come for this kind of pattern. <laughs> Oh, wait, normally you always introduce. I just did it. I've yeah. turned everything upside down. That's I, okay. I'm with my comrade. Siang. <laughs> it's me, Siang. Hello, comrades. Slash sickos. Um, so yeah, Stella's here today. And we're going to get, gonna, you know, get into some of the uh, saucy tales from her illustrious past as a <laughs> student and a sabbatical officer. Yeah. Confessions of a student organiser and sabbatical officer. Yeah. The salacious, yeah. <laughs> dynamic confessions. <laughs> yeah. That's the name of my first autobiography. Uh, wow. Yeah. It's got one of those long 18th century style titles. <laughs> with lots of colons and yeah, semicolons. Living in um, Cambridge, the big C, <laughs> and um, you were involved in all sorts of things. Mm. But during like during your last year, you were a sabbatical officer. Yeah, I was. How was that for you? Was it nice, kind of uneventful, uh, easygoing <laughs> kind of time? Ah, uh, my sweet summer child. <laughs> <laughs> I truly wish <laughs> that it was. Um, no, I mean, tragically, as of many things uh, in this world, uh, <laughs> it, um, something that seemed to be a relatively easy year of, uh, well, I kind of thought, you know, I do a lot of activism in my spare time. I'm quite involved in a lot of student activist groups. Um, why not just get paid to do that? Uh, that's basically what being a sabbatical officer is, right? Readers... to print money. <laughs> Honestly, I was wrong. I was so wrong. <laughs> It was so much work. There's so much always happening. Um, and uh, I managed to pick a year where there were um, there was a general election. Then there were two rounds of uh, UCU strikes. Um, and then just mm. as the final round of UCU strikes finished, this like crazy uh, disease started popping up. Um, <laughs> this crazy disease? And... The disease and that then... kills uh, the student union. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. The exploding disease. Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I wish that it was. 
Uh, it would have probably been a lot easier for me <laughs> to cope with. Um, but yeah, as per the uh, University of Cambridge managed to make what was already a quite horrible situation into a real catastrophe, um, which we kind of fought the fires of and then passed down the uh, passed on the baton of that to a new generation of uh, sabbatical officers of whom I know none. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I really just hope they're doing well. <laughs> You know, I wish them well. Whoever they are, wherever they are. Yeah. We yeah. hope that they're doing well. I really do. But it, so it truly is. Let's let's record scratch. Bet you're wondering <laughs> how you ended up here. Yeah. How how did it all come about? Was there some kind of was there an organized left slate or was it more like you just uh, you know, felt mm. felt it might be jolly? Also oh, so I think uh, we actually hadn't had a kind of solid organised left slate because slates uh, weren't allowed. I think they still are not allowed uh, yeah. in the wow. in that particular SU's elections. Uh, so, th- so there wasn't a formal um, slate as such. Uh, interestingly, in, in the long-term build-up to my uh, election, there was a, a, a considered... Um, debate amongst the left about whether I should run for president so thank god I didn't do that parallel worlds (laughs) wait why do you say thank god women should not limit themselves (laughs) (laughs) gotta lean in comrade my new book lean in comrade is uh no but uh, why do you think it was good that you didn't run for president um I mean so so the catalyst for not running for president was kind of um a uh, uh my my five minutes in the spotlight really um it mm. was the my moment in in uh in fame um so it's kind of good that i didn't get it so that i didn't face more of that attention although with hindsight i managed to face more of that attention anyway so some might say what did you really avoid um, right <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you just didn't get to ride Air Force One, basically. But you still got the same uh, high-octane life. I mean, you're alluding to your, yeah, your your fame that you had Mm. with with Mm. the press, right? Mm, Yeah, There were some controversies, well-known controversies to some, maybe, but maybe you could catch the listeners up. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, for those listeners who don't frequent the pages of... uh, you know, friendly tabloid newspapers, which I won't name uh, on this beautiful podcast. Um, I, uh, as part of actually a student union um, involvement, was uh, featured quite heavily in some uh, press coverage. Um, it's what's that saying about um, student politics that it's the uh, smallest Bad. possible. <laughs> Other than that, is it? It's like smallest possible politics on the grandest possible scale. Um, Ooh, this was really an example of that. That's that was the smallest possible uh, occurrence blown up uh, onto the grandest possible scale. <laughs> in the really, very um, little happened, and yet yeah, so much happened, and yet so much happened. Too little old me. Um, so yeah, so that was. That was a whole time. Then it happened again while I was a sab. Anyway, I won't bore you all with that story. Uh, but safe to say that I think that um, 
my um my president my presidents oh my god my presidency would have been one that would probably have uh, raised a few eyebrows and I feel like I didn't at the time want that kind of coverage also because frankly I was tired enough and uh, uh, it wouldn't have been good for it all to have rested upon my uh, relatively small shoulders although actually if anyone's asking I'm about six foot um, so <laughs> <laughs> can you actually you introduce are... me as that what six foot mm-hmm. full stop Buff. this is, <laughs> this is uh, our famous friend I don't think I could introduce you as taller than me I'm sorry you can also call me uh, if anyone's listening <laughs> That's a good idea. You should give a little um, elevator pitch. Oh my god, yeah, to the like ladies out of... there. Uh, yeah. I am currently single. <laughs> and she's six feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> Get have... yourself a woman built like a tree trunk. Yeah, she's like a Harlem Globetrotter. <laughs> she's t- towering uh, kind of uh, warrior goddess. Yeah. She's huge. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. me. That's me. I can also um, cook. That that is very true. That is true. I miss it. Extremely good cook. Yeah, we both miss it. Mm -hmm. Oh, guys, I miss it too. I mean, I still cook for myself. (laughs) 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 You miss sharing the love with this particular bunch of us. I do. I do. Yeah. Um, but so just to go back to it, the papers basically just did smear stories about you, right? Yeah, yeah. I was doxxed in the national news. And so that was. that's horrible for anyone. I mean, even if you think about, I don't know, famously like Tony Benn, they would go through his bins, wouldn't they? And um, harass him continually, do the same thing they did to Corbyn, like camp outside his house. Mm. And, but that was like a seasoned politician surrounded by like paid staff and all kinds of uh, societal protections that even as horrible Mm. as it was, it wasn't quite, um, I mean, how old were you when, when this was going on? You were uh, uh, 22? Yeah, 21. 21, 21. wow. Yeah. And yeah. morassed mar- uh, out here in the in the sticks of the world. <laughs> and uh, yeah. all that was going on. But I mean, yeah. and how, how was it? Um, you mentioned both of the strikes. Well, the election and then the longest strike in higher education history. Mm. And then the pandemic. Do you want to go in a little bit further on um, how that all was, kind of on the yeah. ground? Is it what were you doing as a sabbatical, as a left-wing sabbatical officer in those scenarios? What was your role? Yeah, so I mean, starting with the general election, my, little though I uh, want to go back to that time. Um, <laughs> we we yeah, can never so, leave, lad. I know. We're, we're all I there know. forever now. <laughs> We're like trapped in one of those little snow globes and we're just reliving December 2019 uh, on repeat. It's appalling and it's just so cold. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I um, am. So we were really keen on getting students registered to vote because uh, it was kind of a thing where we, we thought about what we could best do as a student's union and we aren't allowed to be uh, explicitly party political uh, as a students union you can How however come? uh it's because the students unions are charities they were all screwed over by various conservative governments and various to be fair not conservative governments um in uh consecutive <laughs> education acts and uh they so now students unions have to be charities which means to be a charity you can't be uh, affiliated or uh, openly support a political party, um, which, as you can imagine, brought up some uh, 
some slight issues for uh, young Stella <laughs> facing a big old general election as a Labour nerd at that point. Although, I mean, mm. to be fair, that passion has since ebbed a little. Somewhat <laughs> um, for all of us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a tad. Just for so, our yeah, whole generation we, we... somewhat. Yeah, yeah, I would say. We decided that our, our, our best bet was to make sure that everyone was registered to vote. So we um, were out every day at lecture sites registering students so we had the like forms and stuff for postal votes that was our main push really because Cambridge is pretty safe seat not gonna lie um so we we were kind of pushing students especially who were in marginal seats at home to get out and vote but then I was also in my spare time outside work canvassing with the likes of you guys so um I have particular fond memories of cycling all the way from one side of Cambridge to the other the night before. Oh, uh, this when we went leafleting in Trumpington. Oh, honestly, it was a dark it was, time. It was a really dark time. I mean, it was both literally dark in that it got dark at 4pm in those days um, yeah. and spiritually dark. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Britain's street lamps haven't been maintained since the Victorian era. So we it's were often true. just cycling around in pitch black alleyways, yeah. Um, yeah. sometimes with bin bags full of balloons. <laughs> Red oh, balloons to be stung up about. An illustrious sight for us. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, the some of the canvassing we're doing was still, um, when I remember it, it still feels so exhilarating, even though those yeah. memories are obviously tinged with uh, melancholy. Like, I remember <laughs> when you and I and a few other people were like hatching this plan to start dragging all the students away from Cambridge because <laughs> there were some people that said, Oh, no, you know, we're at risk of losing it. But the more that we canvassed in Cambridge, the more we realized that really wasn't the case because we were getting so much support. Yeah, I and mean, so we Daniel started Zeichner going on those trips. Such a hold on Cambridge. Yeah, people love him. You, he walk up, walks up and down the street, and he's had a dinner party with every third house. <laughs> Literally. Like, oh yes, we know Daniel, of course, <laughs> Daniel. And then you walk away from the house, and he's like, "She's very big in the EU, don't you know? <laughs> we're, we're good friends." <laughs> and it's of like, course. there's no issue here. There's this is not going to be lost. But anyway, yeah, yeah it, was, it was a wild time. And I remember people from the SU uh, supporting the rallies and all of the mm. stuff that was going on with the simultaneous strike and election and all of that kind of, uh, kind of rupturous moment. Is rupturous yeah. a word? Yeah. Like rapturous and like rupture combined? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was rupturous. Though. It's a word now, yeah. yeah. It's a neologism. Mm-hmm. But then that kind of, um, everything kind of collapsed and then... Um, then we were all back on it come, what, January, February, whenever it was. Yeah. Yeah, back in January, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I was doing the breakfast runs. That was our main um, kind of form of organised support from the Students' Union. We kind of worked with the student groups that had done um, breakfast runs before. Massive shout out to uh, CDE. We love them. Um, and wait, who is CDU in case in case someone doesn't know? Because we have listeners, listeners in um, Lithuania and everywhere, you know. Do I mean, we? CDE, CDE has a lot of reach, of course. But, mm, yeah, yeah, no, we yeah. really do. Ever since we had uh, VJ on, we have yeah. a global listenership. Thanks, VJ. So, wait, who who is CDE? So, CDE is Cambridge Defend Education. It's a uh, a group that's been around since the kind of 2010-2011 student movement, um, and has been organising around. Uh, opposing marketization, the kind of free education um, wave 
But that wave kind of ebbed a bit and then Cambridge Defend Education was one of the few that managed to stick around. Um, and I was involved in resetting it up um, in kind of 20, what, 16 sort of time. Yeah. Um, and then in the 2018 strikes, um, which uh, Siang was also involved in, um, oh, <laughs> the um, Cambridge Defend Education was kind of the main organising group um, behind behind the student support for the strikes um but yeah so uh they kind of you... worked with us oh you go siang uh, i was gonna ask you could you tell us a bit more about what breakfast runs were yeah absolutely um so the breakfast runs were kind of tactic brought um up in the first round of strikes in 2018 um which was that in order to get students onto the picket lines and showing support for the staff, we'd do a kind of thing where we give them food and drink. I mean, it's mainly hot drinks. It's slightly like uh, uh, the hot drinks were really appreciated, honestly, by the lecturers and all of the staff out on picket lines. Um, I know it's that... also in 2018 it was snowing. Oh, yeah, it was so cold. <laughs> that was bad time. I was, uh, the way that we froze every single morning on that godforsaken science department. Fuck <laughs> ah, that. Um, but it did so, make that particular yeah. round of UCU strikes feel quite magical, didn't it? All of yeah. the snow yeah. basically almost shutting down the roads anyway, and then people out there with their braziers and, you know. Yeah. It was really beautiful, yeah. But but again, this round of strikes, we decided to do the breakfast runs. So they, they kind of serve a dual purpose in that it is taking really l like food, water, kind of snacks to the um, strikers. But then it's also giving a reason for the students to go along and show their support. Um, and it kind of encourages those people who might have been a bit reluctant to like actually get out of bed, um, go along to the picket lines um, and it gives them something to do when they get there. So, yeah, I think it was it, it served that kind of um, double purpose there. But yeah. Yeah. it was always based at the students union. So that's where I really think um, students unions come into their own in these times of strikes when really UCU needed the students union to be with them. Otherwise, it would have been extremely difficult for them to get the kind of student support they needed to keep striking. Um, so I'm, yeah. I'm really proud that we managed to do that, definitely. I remember talking to you at one point, um, it was early on in the strikes and we were at the student union building. Mm. And I just went, is this all the student union building then? Like you, this isn't UCU's room and um, you know, where's all this stuff coming from? And I ha you had to explain to me that it really was all the, um, the union supporting this, the student union. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Wow, they'd really be stuck if they didn't have this, right? <laughs> this massive um, space to be, to kind of uh, operate as the kind of hub of what was going on. Because people were hanging out there and doing kind of outlaw planning and all of <laughs> this kind of thing, you know? Um, and it was so useful. Um, yeah. And definitely I cottoned on after the first couple of times that I did a breakfast run that precisely it was really good to do but it also just was, as you say, a great way to actually... People, if they sign up to go to a picket line, they'll so easily welch. But if they know they're the one bringing the coffee, then they have to go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they won't feel awkward when they're talking to their lecturer if they're there with a purpose rather than just kind of standing around. Hanging out. Yeah, trying not to ask them about work and, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, I definitely saw this time around because I was 
uh, this year kind of striking as well, even though I was a student technically, but I didn't <laughs> let that stop me. Um, and I was getting extremely cold on the picket line sometimes. And it really did feel like uh, we really needed those breakfast runs often, like literally just to keep up momentum and stop people flagging and possibly not coming the next day and just to kind of stay on task, you know. Yeah, I get, it's like that oft neglected bit of the miners strike as all of the solidarity kitchens and the, um, you know, the organised efforts to keep people fed and all of the food sent from all over the world. I mean, this obviously is not the same um, scale and it's different kind of work, but, you know, <laughs> there was something of that kind of practical uh, solidarity there and that those well-worn tactics of, um, you know, using food and drink and that kind of um, generosity. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, I mean, half of the battle of a strike is keeping the morale up among strikers, right? Because it's yeah. it's them that it's really difficult for. Um, so I think whatever we could do as students to make sure that those people who are striking knew that we were with them. And whether that was like showing up with a, a coffee or a kind of a bit of a sad milky tea or, um, <laughs> you know, I, we, we even had mince pies one time. We did mulled wine. It, it made it a bit more fun. We had singing on the picket lines, that mm. kind of thing. The I pancake think, bikes were hilarious. Oh, that was brilliant. Yeah, pancake day. Hats. We had, we had, we, we ordered chef hats um, and then again based at the students union mixed up pancakes and went out with a little frying pan in delegations to the picket lines it was honestly that was so much fun it was brilliant i think you reached like peak performance of stella which is doing breakfast runs while cycling around making pancakes as a, <laughs> as a left-wing organizer <laughs> yeah I think that that time where I had red balloons tied to the back of my bike and I was cycling around with a coffee thing in the like in like holding on to my handlebars um and I'd also been up since about 6 a.m because I had to be <laughs> at the students union building so I had a really fashionable organizer and a few yeah I had some great uh eye bags going on for that whole time <laughs> oh that's awesome though yeah. See, I think sadly I think I reached peak me recently when I was whatsapping doing both the acorn whatsapp and the neu whatsapp and then cycled into a parked car because <laughs> I was doing it with one hand while cycling back from work because oh, I couldn't even wait till I got home but you know I was almost you know I was glad that I cycled very slowly into the parked car because I realized <laughs> at the last minute what was happening but still Joe, it, it could have been close I know and listeners, have I stopped doing it? No, I have not. You definitely if you're receiving messages from me, half of them will be sent while I'm on wheels. Please, I I'll beg. I'll stop responding to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, and then as we know, the strike kind of then fed into our present moment that we've all um, been living in ever since. Because mm. it was while you were still serving that the pandemic started to finally be registered in the British press around about what was it, kind of mid-February? Yeah. Uh, it was like... I mean, earlier, March. in fact, wasn't it? Well, I mean, it's the, the first mentions oh, yeah, start to happen. But yeah, for it really, for when there was the moment when it really dropped and that was the last day of our... I mean, it was like the third or fourth last day of our occupation was when the penny really dropped, yeah. wasn't it? But yeah. 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 But so it's while you were serving out the rest of your term that that started to happen, right? 
Yeah, it was. So um, it's funny because I'd been really uh, looking forward to the Easter holidays because I was like, oh, we're going to have done these strikes. We'll have, we, we're going to have smashed it. We're going to like win some real, you know, um, gains for the workers in Cambridge. And then it's going to be getting into spring. And, you know, I can hang out with my friends and have a really nice break because there won't be quite so much going on. Um, the universe said, psych, <laughs> now there's a global pandemic. Um, so, well, yeah, you know, on the other hand, you were like permanently hanging out with your three friends who also lived in your house. Mm. So. <laughs> That's true. Actually, to be fair, it Which was quite optimum. a lovely time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it was very nice. Yeah. Um, but I do think that, um, yeah, it did. It suddenly kind of hit. Um, I remember I was in the office um the SU office and I just thought we were going home for the weekend didn't really think much of it um then I had a bit of a cold like a snotty nose kind of sneezy cold and I was like guys lol imagine if this is coronavirus um I don't think it was but I took a couple of days off work to kind of get better and then uh everyone was like well now we're working from home um so I I never really got to say goodbye to the uh iconic office space um, until months later, yeah, I, it, it truly it is a basement. Um, that's not a metaphor. It just literally is underground. Uh, <laughs> but it yeah. is also a metaphor. That's the beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, which this kind of brings us quite nicely up to talking about our um, present moment, because you're still mm. kind of associated with uh, university type uh, thing, right, Stella? And... Siang has some association with some university type thing. <laughs> some unspecified and unnamed association. Yeah, yeah. I'm keeping keeping it all extremely uh, general. Yeah, and ob- yeah obviously this last week it's all been uh, really kicking off again. Just yeah. more kicking off every day. It's just kicking, 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 kicking higher and higher. Yeah. The lights going. Is <laughs> it today um, at like the University of like Northumbria or something? It was uh, like 700 yeah. students tested positive. It was it was somewhere with a yeah yeah uh, yeah I feel like I feel like they're all competing to see how many students they can get all sick at the one time. Cambridge is yeah. going for gold. Yeah, we'll have to see. They they shouldn't just abolish the league table. They should abolish that league table of universities scoring and whatever. And just have a new <laughs> one for how many students they're getting sick all in one place at the same time. It's the latest <laughs> question on the uh, NSS. Um, it's yeah. going to be how many students have got coronavirus. Yeah. How many people attended your illegal party? Like, how satisfied oh, were you with the with the tunes? Mm-hmm. But obviously, there's all this stuff going on with the rent strike. Did their training on Thursday yeah. with yeah. the NUS? Yeah, I you went know. to that. Did you? How yeah. was it? It was good. It was good. Mm-hmm. Um, Go on. It was interesting. There was like eighty plus people there. AT. AT, like eight oh. zero. Oh, I was hoping there'd be like eight zero zero zero. There's not that many. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. There's quite a lot of people there. Um, and yeah, it's kind of like a whistle stop tour through history of, well, recent history of rent striking um, on like campus and like tips for how you can do it. Um, obviously, at Cambridge, it's quite interesting because there was like a guy giving legal advice and he was like oh yeah it's much better if you have like a tenancy um some some students don't have like 
a license to occupy, but like you shouldn't really have that anymore. Like it should be Tennessee's. If you've got a license to occupy, it's a bit more difficult. I was like, fuck. Almost basically everybody who is in like college accommodation at Cambridge has a license to occupy. So much yeah. fewer legal rights. But what can you do? Um Wildcat yeah. strikes. <laughs> Wildcat strikes. <laughs> Wildcat rent strikes. Amongst the militant uh, Cambridge student population. <laughs> Famously, uh, devil may care, and you know. Yeah, but, but there it have seems been like... successful strikes in Cambridge. Like there have been successful rent strikes historically. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. In yeah, in the kind of when was it? In the eighties, there were those really successful um, strikes. It was rent strikes, but around investment in fossil fuel, actually, which is also topical. Yeah. Congrats to Zero Carbon for getting their. Uh, you know, act together or whatever it was that made the university yeah. family <laughs> divest, yeah. I guess, after years of pushing. But anyway, sorry, I, I digress. Um, it, it, they have been used as um, successful mm-hmm. tactics in a Cambridge context, but it is just really different to have the colleges to contend with. Yeah. Oh, well, I think there was also a successful student union organised rent strike in like yeah. 2000 or something. I was making a timeline of activism for the Freshers' Guide. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is getting less and less vague. <laughs> but um, yeah, there was like, in, in like the past, it was like recent history, um, the Students' Union organised a rent strike and it prevented proposed rent increases and also got um, like student representation on like discussions about accommodation stuff at colleges which you know oh, okay. sometimes the students don't necessarily use that to the full advantage that they could some, but, might, yeah, say. some might say but it was a step um but yeah this is pretty good there's like people from like loads of different unis um across the country like subs and also a lot of like students who were just like uh, students who are interested or students who like were in organizing um and there seemed to be a lot of appetite um, for a rent strike. There was like they had like jam boards. It's like it's like Google Docs, but like for post-it notes. You could put like post-it notes on these boards. It's like oh. okay, yeah. I never what, had to like put, Trello like... or something like what we use for Acorn. No, it was literally just like to put like you know the questions were like you know what are the what are the problems like why are you here what what makes you angry and the other right. one was like what's the root cause and all the root cause ones were like capitalism yes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, that's good I've always been impressed by the rent strike bunch they seem to actually try and you know organize things properly yeah yeah I mean I didn't know all of that stuff about the recent history of student political life at Cambridge actually yeah. um, but like when I was at Sussex where I did my undergrad I remember doing some research in my second year which blew my mind because mm. as far as I knew you know student political life had just begun like in 2010 and 11 and we were yeah. still riding that wave and I looked back and I found all of these like oh one time 120 students that occupied the library brought yeah. their mattresses and shut it down for several yeah. days while they lived in it yes. for, yeah. for some undisclosed reason and like series of <laughs> occupations and rent strikes and I mean there's that whole thing about you know tactics and when one becomes appropriate when one doesn't yeah and we were doing an occupation at the time and I always wished that we'd been slightly more strategic and thought about doing uh, a rent strike so occupation was kind of too easily ignored yeah um 
but you know i mean obviously student politics isn't the be all and end all like i loved stella's what was your quote earlier stella about it was uh the smallest <laughs> of things on a grand stage or something it's like uh i i don't know if i've completely butchered <laughs> this quote um under just say it it's, maybe it's your original thought yeah probably uh, yeah it's just... smallest possible politics on the grandest possible scale um but okay. <laughs> Well, see, maybe it can be a bit like that, but mm. also, like, if we can get some renewed sense of uh, militancy, militancy here, it's just a sector just like any other part of the yeah. education sector. I really you know. do believe that. I think that, like, student activism, honestly, looking back on it, if even if it doesn't um, achieve short-term wins in the time that students are at the university, because, like, the whole problem with it, right, is that the turnover is so quick even if it doesn't achieve those wins then it has kind of galvanized and educated and brought together a whole group of young people and taught them the skills to go out and then you know they can join their local acorn branch or london renters union or they can get involved in decolonize or demilitarize campaigns or you know wherever they go whether it's into a, a, a bit of activism that they had actually been involved with at uni or whether it's a different kind of thing completely, but it's something they, you know, they know how to take minutes from meetings or they know how to make a Facebook event or whatever it is that you, you know, the basic mundane tasks of it, you know how to facilitate. I learned to facilitate in uh, Cambridge left and, you know, that's a skill that I can bring to other groups for sure. That's so a I think- That's very intense facilitation that you had to do. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> it drops you in at the deep end. To be honest, I'm not sure that that quote is that good. I think it's maybe it's the uh, it should be the grandest possible politics on the smallest possible scale. Because that would actually make like more sense. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I quite I quite like it if it's that other way around. Um, yeah. yeah, you I, were saying it works about both ways. Mm, Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I was going to say you're saying about a really cool occupation with lots of people from. Uh, your the history at your undergrad uh institution there was a really cool one uh in Cambridge but it was like the first big occupation that there'd been um and it was the nursery action group um so it was women um fighting for better childcare and um being even just being allowed to bring push chairs into the colleges and they got over a thousand people in old schools which is kind of the big old building um, which I just always thought was so amazing. And there's this really cool photo of them pushing their buggies onto the lawn at King's College. I just oh, think sick. it's great. So, yeah. When, when was that? That's very cool. Uh, I think it was in the 60s or 70s. It was in like 73 or something. Yeah. yeah. Early I have 70s. this feeling one of those Marxist poets I like was involved in that. I can't remember <laughs> if it really? was Denise Riley or Anna Mendelssohn, but I think one of them was. Um, uh, but I can't recall. Well, we'll have to look this up later. Because <laughs> I know they, I know they were both here, and they both did um, things to do with um, organizing with with mothers. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But I, yeah, maybe yeah. Anna Mendelssohn was much later though. Actually, I think she was here in the '90s. Denise Riley was here a little <laughs> earlier. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But so yeah, there's lots of cool things that's been going on. Yeah. Um. How is post sabbatical officer life treating you? How how's the the great when as um William Morris used to call it of London? <laughs> yeah, I know I'm in the big smoke. Um, it's it's been really good actually. I think um, 
it, it was always going to be a bit weird leaving Cambridge because uh, lots and lots of my friends are there. Um, yeah, you guys, I can't even cook for you anymore. Um, and in these oh, weird do. times, I know, honestly, I'm going to send food parcels this winter, I think. Or like um, graze boxes. Yeah, yeah. But more um, sort of... Oh, what's lasagna. The... Yeah, maybe that aubergine and chickpea kind of stew oh, thing yeah. that I used to do all the time. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, uh, no, it's it's been really good. I think I've really enjoyed uh, coming here, having a job that, you know, it's like a nine to five. I just do my job. I actually love being a librarian. My, my job begins and ends with me finding books and uh, archive material and history searches for people's families. Um, and it feels, you know, relatively uh, not evil and I can help some people. And then also at the end of the day, I can go home. I can do some organizing in my spare time. I can uh, meet people. Uh, well, obviously when things uh, aren't so locked down, um, I can meet people. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's been really good to have a job that does not feel like my entire soul uh, rests in it and the souls of a million other stranded individuals. <laughs> yeah it's good not to feel like the last plank <laughs> holding together the titanic um uh, any more imagine. metaphors you want <laughs> clocking off i miss her <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um now those poor people working at the students union are the ones holding the titanic together and uh you know hats yeah. off to them yeah i don't envy them bad times for them <laughs> must suck um, it says here in uh, the notes for our show, just to break the fourth wall, and I, I didn't add this, I don't think Siang added this, so I think, Stella, it must have been you. It says, quote, haven't you seen The Purge? Fun and games for Stella in a country without police. And I, have, I, have, I have no idea what this is about. It sounds uh, incredibly uh, striking, whatever's going on in this idea for content. And it's a bullet point here in the plan, so I guess we're meant to talk about it. I um I just jotted that in there earlier because I thought um that it would be good to to have some anecdotes you know from my days uh as a sabbatical officer oh yeah and I thought I'd include some of the feedback I received from people for for my job um this is one piece of feedback that I was p particularly um you know I, I really took it to heart. I'd, <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the piece of feedback <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh um, okay yeah so so for context i've been posting so during the the lockdown um and uh kind of coronavirus general times uh, i'd been um working from home obviously and uh, i was doing so much with the university kind of trying to bang my head against the wall hard enough that they would hear it and actually do something for a change um that i uh needed to keep students up to date on what i was doing and we were getting so many questions i just thought you know what i can i can use social media to get out what I'm doing every day. So I, I did these daily update posts, um, which actually went down really well. That was a kind of highlight of my student engagement. They were good, um, they were good. Oh, thank you. So yeah, but but I also shared, as part of the posts, I kind of did uh, an update from me. Um, and then I always shared, oh, I always shared something to do. Um, so like a craft or a, 
a, a kind of hands-on activity just to get you away from your screen for like five minutes and then I also shared something to read that wasn't about or wasn't you know wasn't the news wasn't the Guardian app um, and was actually so yeah something a bit different so I shared quite a lot of the pieces um, that I've been reading um, during lockdown and I read quite a lot on abolition and um, abolishing prisons. Um, I was involved in setting up Cambridgeshire Prisoner and Detainee Solidarity um, Group, which is a kind of abolitionist group based in Cambridgeshire, um, kind of fighting against prisons generally, uh, the prison industrial complex, the state, uh, etc. Um, but I, yeah, so I shared some articles. I think this one was a um, Ruth Wilson Gilmore article um, and someone just decided to comment on it saying, you know, haven't you seen The Purge? <laughs> it would be fun and games for Stella in a world without police. And I actually thought, you know what, he's <laughs> onto something. <laughs> this man actually knows what he's talking about because it, it truly would be fun and games for me in a world without police. And I'm really glad that he recognised that. That's true. Um, Stella will be the one who has you up against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Yeah. So This I, makes so I, much I sense know. now. I do kind of want you guys to unpack for me though. What do we think that the the purge reference is uh is is going for? Is it that the purge is the world without police? Is he saying that I am in the purge? Am I the one who is purging society? What's going on? Yeah. I think he's saying that you should we should be organizing a campaign for purge world <laughs> where we actually do live in the purge and there are no laws for 24 hours except it's every day yeah i mean i see he seems to think that the purge is no laws any of the time when actually of course there's <laughs> rigorous laws almost all the time except for one day yeah. so if anything it's not really what we'd be working for we, we, we want the full purge every no. day and I yeah. think the thing is, if you had, if you made the Purge movie and it was just all the time, there that would change everything. There would not be everything. that much murder going on. No, because, I mean, people have to eat, they have to work. You have to do something else that's I mean, not, like, bashing up mansions with baseball bats. Exactly, the country would collapse. So, actually, full-time Purge would be quite interesting. And we should work it towards that, you know, to yeah, see, yeah. see what happens. But I'd like to push for it just to destabilise and bring down the Anglo-American empire. <laughs> And then we could then we can go back to absolute rigorous control, but but with the revolutionary uh, police maintaining that control. So that would be like movie two or three, you know. Yeah. But, but who knows what this commentator um, that gave you this feedback is on about? They obviously are often one. Yeah. Yeah. Something's yeah. going on there. No matter how hard I try. You keep pushing me aside and I can't break through There's no talking to you I'm so sad that you're leaving It takes time to believe it After all is said and done You'll be the lonely one oh, oh. Do you believe in life after love? I can feel something inside me say I really don't think you're strong enough No, 
something inside me say I really don't think you're strong enough, no But I know that I'll get through this Cause I know that I am strong No, I don't need you I really don't think you're strong enough. 